Join the big show Thursday from 3 to 6 at Murdoch Hyundai at 452 Linden Park Drive in Linden. Well, PK, <laughs> this is not surprising. What? Lisa's generating the tweets. <laughs> oh, man. So the highlights, at least according to Alan, favorite moments with DJ PK and Lisa. Number one, I've cooked enough dinners. Number two, without a conference, every game is our Super Bowl. And number three, reference to making the sign of the cross. Well, the funny thing is he actually tagged the wrong Lisa. This. He tagged Lisa, <laughs> Wil- Lisa Wilson, the mother of Zach Wilson, is the one who he tagged in this. Ooh, he didn't think that that was who Lisa was, did he? I hope not. <laughs> she's active on Twitter, so she's going to see that. Oh, she will see it. <laughs> Cheers to social media. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We just had a call from Lisa that disrupted everything. But it was a window into the psychology of BYU fan after uh, after eight straight losses. Yeah, how do you not feel a sense of being beaten down? I mean, it's just natural, right? I mean, you look at it, you step back, virtually everything that's happened the last decade has gone Utah's way, and consequently it's gone against you to the point of, man, they are way up there now in this high and mighty Power Five, and you're not after all those years. How would you not feel d- beaten down? What fan, base is, what fan base has taken a beating for a decade and not been beaten down? I mean, are we going to go Cubs here? Because the Suns, I remember when that was great. It used to be great to watch a game from Phoenix, and now it's all empty seats. Well, they've been beaten down for a decade. Well, yeah, and then sense. you combine with the fact of the change of the conference. I mean, yeah. come on. I talked to Chris Hill about that. He he acknowledged that BYU was in a very vulnerable spot, and and to a degree, he felt for them because of that situation. It's a crazy situation. DJ PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. We are joined once again by Lincoln Kennedy, Pac twelve network analyst, also working on the Oakland radio Oakland Raiders radio broadcast. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen, and happy football New Year to you. <laughs> happy football New Year to you. Now, this will shock you, but we have been, spent months asking people, how good are the youths going to be? Do you think the youths <laughs> are going to be really good this year? But I'm curious because you are a, uh, a well, among many things, you've got the link to the University of Washington, obviously. And right. You keep an eye on Washington State. you got a pretty good rivalry with Oregon. I don't know if people here understand how intense that can be. And so when you look at all these teams that are either coming off good years, expected to have good years, is there one team you look at and think, "Eh, it's not that even. This team has really got it going. Well, you know, we sit here and prognosticate a lot when Mm -hmm. it comes to the start of college football season because you really don't have – a lot to work with. Unlike NFL game where you have preseason games, you kind of get an insider look as to what the team might look like or their philosophy on both sides of the ball. College is, is, is all brand new. And, 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 I'm, and I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because even in the spring games, coaches, because they know they're going to be televised, coaches don't want to show anything. So they're very vanilla. They're just kind of going through the motion, giving the fans a little bit of excitement to look forward to. So there's a lot of unknown when it comes to predicting and projecting how these teams are going to be. Naturally, you go off of last year's success 
and the key returners, that's really the only information that you have. With that being said, you know, I think the North is incredibly competitive. And, and as far as the South is, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on your home team and, and uh, the Utes um, and not getting the amount of respect that they probably deserve when it comes to Pac-12 competition or conference talk. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of unknowns that we still just have to wait and see how these teams play. So, Lincoln, when you were with the University of Washington, they literally were a national power and you were expected to win every game, and you probably thought you were going to win every game. And the Utes, I mean, they're not to the level that Washington was, but they're an emerging, I don't know if I can use the word power, but nevertheless, they're getting all sorts of attention. When you think back to the days that you played and were expected to win, what was the type of feeling amongst the team as you took the field in terms of were you worried about being overconfident? How did you keep the right emotional mental edge as you went on the field when you're supposed to win our head coach don james may rest in peace was very good at talking up every opponent as though they were bigger than we would ever be it didn't matter who we were playing the week you know oregon state hadn't won many games but he talked about oregon state being in a a caged animal back into a corner come out and strike you don't want to be embarrassed so we had to get mentally and physically prepared for all those types of games. And, and we, were, we were able to get up. There was never a time where, actually, I take that back, maybe in our, my senior year, my last year, um, it was the time when we got a little ahead of ourselves. When the, um, um, the penalties came handed down from the NC2A about the players, we lost some players. We really didn't know how to respond after that. We lost that Arizona. Uh, I think we lost to Wazoo that year. Um, so because now we had the target on our back. The way it goes these days, and of course back then we were, as a program, we were starving for attention. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we were trying to put West Coast, especially Pacific West, uh, Pacific Northwest football, on the map. So we were trying to get recognition. We went out and beat the teams that we needed to beat to get recognition. We, you know, played well in the Rose Bowls and, um, uh, you know, beat Nebraska two years in a row, stuff like that, to get recognition. These days. With the kids and the way everything is there, sometimes you don't want that attention. And you want to travel under the radar. And that's why I think Utah is in a very good spot. Not only bringing back Zach Moss, who I have the highest expectations of as a running back, but they bring back a pretty good team. And if they stick with what they, what they know to do, which is play defense, run the ball, they're really going to be a strong team. More importantly, it's just how can they start fast. Because we've seen several times this team, this team over the years not starting fast, still finding a way to win, but not starting fast or getting in consistent rhythm. Well, they were 0-2 in conference last year, so that's certainly uh, fresh in the minds of, uh, of Ute fans. I guess the most recent news is that Washington State has picked a quarterback, and they're not going with the grad transfer. They're going with a guy who's been a backup and been in the program, Anthony Gordon. Now, at Media Days, uh, you know, their coach, Mike Leach, is like, hey, we were 11-2, and and we think we're going to be better. And I think a lot of people have scaled back because they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Right. And they scaled expectations back. Now that you know it's Gordon, not that he's played a lot and we've seen him do much, where do, where do they fit in all of this? You always got to be aware of the air raid offense because they can put a lot of points on the board. But you also, the way I look at it is that I take it tongue-in-cheek because I think it's almost like Big 12 football. They assume that no one else is going to play defense. So if you get a team like you saw what Washington was able to do to them in the Apple Cup, 
and it really wasn't much. You just put a you, you put a, a, a heavy man a zone combination in the middle of the field and really only rushed three most of the time. It really left the air raid offense on its heels and couldn't really get into a rhythm. So I think when you stem back to what you saw last year, it's going to have to be a wait-and-see game now. Wazoo is going to put points on the board, and Wazoo is definitely going to uh, throw the ball around. But it's just a matter when it comes down to that later in the season when the weather gets bad, does that system still work as productive as it does in the early part of the season? So from a coach, or a coach and a player's perspective, from looking at Utah, how much do you like playing the rivalry game or maybe don't like playing the rivalry game with BYU in the first game? I don't like it in the first game. It, there's there's too much at stake. It's it really is because you don't know what type of product you're going to have when you get out there and play against other people, and there's it's really a whole lot of intensity for kids that take it personally, living in the state or the bragging rights, however you want to name it. This is a big game. Um, you know, fortunately for Utah in the past history, even though they haven't started well against BYU, they found a way to win. And I think that that goes as good for building confidence, but it's very it's a very risky game because you and I both know these days when it comes to college football, you know one loss um, you're not necessarily out of it, but it does, it does deter a lot of voters from staying with you uh, if you don't come out and stay uh, uh, and, and win those games and you know just keep winning. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network analyst, joining us here. You know over the years you've taken us inside the uh, USC football program, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you had the personal tie with your son playing there and then covering the conference and knowing people and hearing stuff, you know, that that rattles around. Clay Hilton went 10-3 and and went to the Rose. He went 11-3 and and went to the Cotton. That probably sounds pretty good to people here, but there's a portion of the USC fan base, maybe a sizable portion, who was probably pretty upset with the three losses, even though they were in the Rose and Cotton Bowls. What are you expecting out of them? Is he did his body language and energy level at the Pac-12 media days wasn't great? Is it dead man walking there? Is there a chance to make it through these first six games and, and have a chance to play for something big? Well, the rumors are swirling around that Urban Meyer is on deck to take this job, guys. And when you have somebody of that magnitude just in the shadows, being in Los Angeles, going to be working for Fox Sports as a commentator, uh, a studio analyst, you know, that, that could work against you. Now, you're right. For as much success as Clay has had at SC, he's often referred to and looked consistently at his, his shortcomings, his fails. Well, and, and so if this team does not do well, because you've got to remember, USC is one of those considered in the college football world one of those perennial powerhouses. It's held to the same standard as a, a Notre Dame, a Texas. Uh, you know, uh, and, and some of those other, you know, highly ranked independents that had, you know, great history. Um, and it's, and in, for the most part, USC for the longest time has kind of defined the Pac-12 conference as a whole. People from around the country, when they talk about the Pac-12, they always refer to SC, SC, SC. When does it get down? I mean, when does it get back to where it was? And so that's what the standard that everyone holds um, uh, SC to, and they just haven't been there. They haven't been as dominant as people have expected them to be. So you got to kind of get back to that tradition. And I think there's a lot of alumni and a lot of regents and a lot of powerful people in this program that want to get back to that, and they're looking for that headline, that big stopper headline. So uh, even when before Clay got the job, there were so many things swirling around, you know, Jack Del Rio, I mean, and, you know, Jeff Fisher, all these other big names. 
Urban Meyer's no different. So there's there's rumors circulating that um, Urban's there to take either the SC job or you know there's even some rumors saying they take the UCLA job because uh, uh, because uh, Chip Kelly is going to go to bigger, better things uh, in a, in a few years. Talk about Washington here for a second. We call them the Huskies. You always call them your dogs with a W. No. And, <laughs> you know, they have been really good under Chris Peterson. They got a pretty good rebuilding job on hand this year. They get a quarterback who's a transfer. The backup then leaves after Chris Peterson basically guaranteed him playing time to one extent or another. And they're supposedly, you know, I think it's a little misleading to replace nine starters on defense because there's some guys yeah. who got some experience but nevertheless they did lose a lot but i don't really see uh in terms of expectation a drop off what's going on there well because you've been able to do it to turn the page for so long um you know jake browning being a long time stand in at quarterback and now making another change to eason as you mentioned the people are wondering what's the next step for this program well, from everything I've heard, that Easton is, is, uh, has a stronger arm and he's going to be good, especially in this system. But I was wondering if he's surrounded by enough skill players. We'll have to see. But one thing that Coach Pete has done is he's been able to turn the page. And the next man up has been as successful, if not more, than the ones before. And I think that's one thing that uh, UW alumni, like myself, you know, seem to take solitude in. More importantly, when you watch this team, you know that they've got a big target on their back. But even this year, you know, it's it's not so much to focus on them as people are talking about Oregon uh, and, and their possibility of being up. Um, to me, the Pac-12 is the most competitive conference in, in the country from top to bottom. I think that any team on any given weekend can beat another, and you can't say that about every conference. I mean, of course, they go out and play, but it's pretty much dominant and top-heavy in a lot of the conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC, for that matter. Um, the, the only way that Pac-12 is going to get national prominence is if they win their non-conference games against, uh, in, in, against you know, worthy opponents, and more importantly, when they get in the bowl games, find a way to win. And for the last couple of years, that has not happened. So Oregon has not been to the Pac-12 title game in the last four seasons. Even the fifth-year seniors on that roster uh, have not had that experience. And one of those big games you're talking about is Auburn in the opener. Is mm-hmm. Oregon, after multiple coaching changes, back to what they were, or are they not there yet? There are a lot of people expecting them to give uh, to beat Auburn, um, and I would love to see it happen. I'm not going to say I expect it because it hasn't, it hasn't happened for any of these Pac-12 teams taking on SEC opponents. Uh, but uh, the thing is that Oregon has a good quarterback in Herbert, and they've got a good offensive line, and they've got a fairly decent running game behind especially this offensive line. So they've got a chance. Uh, and this is, this is, again, this is important for a number of reasons. It's especially important for the guys in your, your backyard, the Utes, because the thing is is that whoever wins the Pac-12, if, they, if the Pac-12 has a strong enough, in my opinion, has a strong enough non-conference outing, say Oregon beats Auburn and stuff like that, that gives them recognition, then the Pac-12 championship is worth something. And, and until we increase the amount of playoff teams, uh, and I do believe conference championships are worth something. I don't care who they are or where they are. They should be worthy of playing for a national championship. If, if Utah was to win, the, or win the, uh, the conference and Oregon, say, didn't win that game or didn't have a good non-conference record, Pac-12 champions likely not to get into playoffs, and I don't think that's right, but it is the way it is. So this game is important for the entire conference, not just Oregon. Yeah, I totally agree there. Somebody in each division, especially in the South, where it seems like there's so much mediocrity, somebody is going to do better than expected. Who would yeah. you guess that would be? 
Uh, I think a lot of people. Well, UCLA is going to be better. Um, I think USC has a chance just because of the the roster talent that they have. Um, if they find a way to put it together, I think SC can be there. And of course, I think there's a surprise, and no one's really you know talking about ASU. Now, Herm Edwards did a marvelous job. His staff did a marvelous job um, with the team last year, and really surpassed expectations. And I think it might be much of the same this year. But again, when you're starting a new quarterback, there's a lot of things that are unknown. So there are a lot of dark horses, uh, especially in the South. I, I think uh, Colorado, with its run game, can be good if they if they keep it consistent. You get back to basic football to me. I don't care with all the fair, you know, flaring glitz that's going around the country with these high-powered offenses. Me, basic football still wins. Run the ball and play defense. And and when you have teams that are able to do that, I think teams teams have a little bit long, more longevity, especially when the weather gets bad. So uh, if you get back to the basics, I think you can be successful. Lincoln Kennedy joins us, Pac-12 Networks analyst, Oakland Raider radio analyst. Uh, before we let you go, I do have one pro question. What the heck happened up in Winnipeg? Holes in the field because the goal line, the goal posts are at the front yeah. of the end zone. No one knew that the goal posts were at the front of the end zone and they need a plan to fill the holes. What? No, no, what the they, heck they happened knew. Up there? They, yeah. <laughs> well, what it came down to is that the field was not in uh, adequate condition by the time the players were warming up. Now, when the game started, the field was in adequate condition. For those who don't know Canadian football, their their goalpost is in the front of their off, uh, front of their end zone, uh, and and the NFL is in the back of the outside of the end zone. So there was a large divot that had a it's a it's a sports turf field. So it was it was it was carpet that was over where the old goalposts goalposts normally go, but um, it wasn't pushed down by the time warmups came. So the Packers medical staff were a little afraid that if their players and somebody might get hurt. So they chose, they didn't really want to play the game. The Raiders had to talk them into playing the game on a shortened field. So it just became a glorified scrimmage. It was a mess. It was, no doubt it was a mess. Weird stuff right there. All right, yeah. Lincoln. Well, the, uh, the opening season is upon us, and uh, you, don't, you don't want to pick the uh, Oregon-Auburn game? Even with no. Auburn starting a true no, no, freshman, no, I, and, and look, in spite of my, for my love for the Pac-12, I still hate the Ducks, so it's hard for me to, to, <laughs> okay. to look past that. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate it, Lincoln. Thanks for a few minutes, and look forward to talking hey, to you over the course of the season. All right, thanks, man. I'll talk to you guys soon.